Welcome to our Bible reading this morning. Uh, we find it in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin reading at verse 44 through to 53. If you're using one of the pew Bibles that's uh, in front of you in the pew, you'll find it on page 980, 980. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish into baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nigel. Let's, as usual, pray, shall we? Father, we pray that you would teach us more about the kingdom of heaven and show us what we need to do in the light of this. We pray that you would be with me as I speak and with all of us as we think. Amen. Well, over recent weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' teaching during the so-called Day of Parables, uh, which Matthew records in the 13th chapter of his Gospel. And on that day, Jesus spoke to large crowds, and he addressed them solely in parables, before subsequently explaining some of those parables to his disciples. And there was a common theme going through his teaching that day. And that theme was the kingdom of heaven. Uh, We saw how he told the people about how different people respond to the news of the kingdom of heaven. That's the parable of the sower. He explained how there are two different groups of people and how he will eventually come to earth to judge. That's the parable of the weeds. He talked about the growth of the kingdom of heaven, the uh, parable of the mustard seed. And he talked about how the kingdom of heaven permeates and transforms the parable of the yeast. And then, as we heard a few minutes ago, he concluded with four parables, at least one of which was solely addressed to his disciples. The first two parables teach broadly the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. 
When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The point being made by those parables is pretty obvious, isn't it? Uh, Jesus was saying that the kingdom of heaven is something of great value. Uh, uh, Obtaining it, belonging to it, is something of surpassing worth. Uh, And we shouldn't uh, ignore the strength of what Jesus said. His language is very strong. He was saying that belonging to the kingdom of heaven is of such great worth that its value exceeds in aggregate everything else that we could possibly possess. In fact, he was saying that we should be prepared to give up everything else in order to belong to the kingdom of heaven. And we'll come back to that point in a minute. But before then, we need to consider what it is about the kingdom of heaven that makes it so valuable. What's so significant about it? In his gospel, Mark summarizes Jesus' teaching early in his ministry by saying that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven, in fact he said the kingdom of God, but it's the same thing, the kingdom of heaven is come near, repent and believe the good news. What Jesus was saying was that his coming to earth represented, constituted, the kingdom of heaven coming near, and that that is good news. But but why is it good news? Well, blatantly, God in Jesus coming to earth is, if true, definitely news. In fact, it must be the most significant thing that has ever happened in history. And it's good news because Jesus offered everyone a relationship with himself, a relationship with God himself. And that not just for this life, but for eternity. That's what belonging to the kingdom of heaven involves. And self-evidently, that is of great value. That's good news. Um, Just think about it for a moment. Uh, Try not to allow your familiarity with what the Bible says, uh, assuming you have that familiarity, uh, try not to allow that to prevent you from appreciating the real significance of what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that we could have a relationship with the creator and sustainer of the universe. That is truly extraordinary. But there's something more. In order fully to understand and appreciate the good news, we have to grasp some bad news. Uh, Some people might say, in fact some people do say, uh, look I I hear all of that, uh, but I'm quite content with my life and I don't quite grasp all of this stuff about a relationship with God. I'll carry on as I am. And Jesus had a very simple message for people in that position, and indeed for anyone who does not accept him. 
beware. You see, Jesus said that a day of reckoning is coming. Now, this is a, a, a very troublesome subject. It's, it's, it's not a pleasant or easy subject. But it's essential we grasp it in order fully to understand what the good news really is. And as we do that, there are two things that we must keep in mind. First, we're looking here not at the teaching of some aggressive, insensitive, ranting preacher. We're looking here at the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus wasn't talking about judgment in order to rejoice in the condemnation of people. No, he was telling the people, and indeed tells us, in order to warn us, and in order to give us an opportunity to have a way out of our predicament. So what did Jesus teach about judgment? Well, actually, he taught quite a lot about it. But we will confine ourselves today to what he said on the day of parables, and specifically uh, his teaching that we've just heard read to us, the parable of the net. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. That parable is very similar to the parable of the weeds that Jesus had told earlier on the same day and which we looked at a few weeks ago. Do you remember, Jesus envisaged a field in which wheat and weeds were growing at the same time. And he said, there will come a day of harvest when the wheat and uh, weeds will be pulled up, the weeds to be gathered and thrown into the fire and the wheat to be gathered into the barn. And his explanation of that concluded like this. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man, that's him, incidentally, will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus was saying that there are two categories of people. The wicked, those he concludes are wicked, who will be subject to condemnation. And those he declares to be righteous, who he accepts as righteous, who will be blessed. And make no mistake, he's talking here about final judgment. Did you notice in both the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net, he talked about the end of the age. 
And if you doubt that, take a look at another parable of Jesus, which is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which you'll find in Luke chapter 16, where he's emphasizing the finality of the judgment. But we need to focus on a key question, which is, on what basis is that division made? Put simply, who are the wicked and who are the righteous of whom Jesus speaks? Now, blatantly, Jesus is talking about those that cause sin and evil and who do good. And we might assume on that basis that some kind of weighing is contemplated. And which side of the line we come on depends on whether our good deeds outweigh our bad or whether our bad deeds outweigh our good. But that isn't what Jesus was saying. Think about it for a moment. Jesus regularly said things indicating that he believed all people do wicked things, that all people do evil. Go back to his basic message. Repent and believe the good news. Why repent? Because we're in the wrong. In fact, he said that he had not come to call the righteous. By the way, he was dressing people who thought they were righteous in their own eyes. He said, I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. And and we need to recognize that if we rely on what we do, we will all fall on the wrong side of the line. If, If we think we are going to fall on the right side of the line, we're sadly mistaken. We will be numbered among the the wicked. So if if all of us will be numbered among the wicked on the basis of our own lives, uh, who then are the righteous? Well, Jesus actually didn't say expressly on the day of parables, but he did indicate implicitly. It's no accident that the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value lie sandwiched between, on the one hand, Jesus' explanation of the parable of the weeds, and on the other hand, the parable of the net. Who are the righteous? Well, they're the ones who found the hidden treasure, aren't they? They're the ones who found the pearl of great value the ones who belong to the kingdom of heaven. Coming to belong to the kingdom of heaven moves us from being in the number of the wicked to become in the number of the righteous. Moves us from being those who are alienated from God and who are subject to his judgment and condemnation into the company of those whom God accepts as being righteous, who are in right relationship with him, accepted by him. Instead of being alienated from God, effectively, as the Apostle Paul puts it, enemies of God, we find ourselves in a new relationship with God. As Paul put it, we have peace with God And that, of course, is something not just of great value, but of surpassing worth. 
not least because it has eternal consequences. And of course that raises the question, well how do we belong to the kingdom of heaven? And and I hope most of you here today know the answer to that. It's there in the parable of the sower that Jesus told earlier in the day. He said it depends on our reaction to his message. He called on us to repent and put our trust in him. That is how we come to belong to the kingdom of of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news, said Mark, quoting Jesus. And the Apostle John, of course, famously said, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shan't be counted among the wicked, shan't be subject to judgment and condemnation, but shall have eternal life, shall be counted among the righteous. So that presents a challenge to all of us. And by the way, when I say all of us, I mean all of us, including all of us who are Christians here today. I mean, obviously, if you have not accepted Jesus, then there is a particular challenge. The real question is, why not? I, of course, don't know who I'm addressing here. Uh, Only you do. But, but, but the question is, why, why not? What is it that's stopping you following Jesus, accepting him? The answer to that may be quite simple. You may say, well, it's simply that I don't believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And I understand that. That's where I was at one time. But if that is where you are, then I urge that you consider the claims of Jesus as a matter of top priority. And a really good way of doing that, by the way, is to go on our Case for Christ course, which begins on the 19th of April. Uh, That focuses on Jesus' resurrection. Because if you think about it, if Jesus rose from the dead, then the rest really becomes quite easy, doesn't it? Uh, But but of course, uh, that may not be your issue. You may say, well, I accept the basics about Jesus, but there's another issue that prevents me becoming his disciple. I confess, I find this position slightly hard to follow because uh, when I came to believe Jesus was who he said he, he is, it seemed to me I didn't have much choice but to then decide to follow him. But I know it is an issue a number of people have because I've met them and because I've been told about others. Some years ago, I met somebody who said that they did agree that Jesus was who he said he he, he was, uh, but they also recognised that to follow him would mean they needed to give up on an adulterous relationship they were in, and they felt they couldn't do that. Other people worry about what their spouse will say, or what their parents will say, or what their family generally, or perhaps colleagues will say. And still still others seem so preoccupied by the concerns of daily life that they simply don't get round to following Jesus. 
Now, if you are in that position, and only you will know whether you are, but if you are in that position, then I urge you to listen to what Jesus said on the day of parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven, belonging to the kingdom of heaven, is worth more than anything else we can possibly have. So what's the challenge for those of us who have accepted Jesus? Well, actually, there are a number of related challenges. Uh, the, The first is this. We need to check that we are not merely intellectual acceptors of Jesus. Jesus called on us not merely to accept him intellectually, but to repent and trust in him. And we need to make sure we understand the difference between those two things and that we really have become disciples, followers of Jesus. That's the first point. The second point is this. We need to check uh, that we are not qualified followers of Jesus. I follow Jesus, but I follow Jesus except that Jesus calls on us to follow him, no ifs and no buts. Uh, And if you doubt that, by the way, I'd have a read uh, uh, from the end of Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus gives warnings about qualified following of him. And then third, we need to consider whether over time our commitment to Jesus has become uh, less, has withered. That takes us back, of course, to the parable of the sower. Do you remember, as part of his explanation, Jesus said this, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. If we're in that position, we're in no better position than someone who has never accepted Jesus. The person who truly belongs to the kingdom of heaven will persevere and will bear fruit in their lives as a result of that belonging to the kingdom of heaven. Then finally, there's one last challenge. And this applies to all of us who have accepted Jesus, irrespective of whether the other things I've been talking about apply to us, or rather, irrespective of whether we conclude we do or do not have a problem in relation to those things. And this final thing comes out of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples that day. Verse 51. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, 
Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The disciples had asked Jesus to explain the parable of the weeds, and he'd done so, just as earlier, at their request, he'd explained the parable of the sower to them. And then he'd gone on and told the additional parables that we've heard today. And having done that, he had a question for them. Have you understood? And they confirmed that they had understood. Of course, reading the Gospels, we realise that their understanding was far from perfect, but they at least had grasped the basics about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus had been talking about. Now, Jesus could have stopped at that point. He could have said, that's great, let's move on. But but he didn't. Instead, he, he made a pithy, parabolic statement. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. You might find that quite difficult to follow initially. The Greek translated teacher of the law is often used to refer to the scribes of ancient Israel, but, but, but actually that's only a specific application of it. It actually simply basically means religious teachers, and that's how Jesus was using it here. And he was including amongst the religious teachers his disciples, doubtless to their great surprise. And what he was saying is people like them disciples who had thereby received from Jesus, uh, all of them, everyone in that position, is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. In other words, people who have become disciples of Jesus are able uh, to speak old truths and new truths, the two, of course, being two sides of the same coin. Jesus was telling his disciples that they were able, and indeed should, go and pass on his teaching to other people. And the key point for us is that though it may be a surprise to us, we're in the same position. We are also disciples. We are also able to bring out of our storeroom old treasures and new, and we're called upon to do so. We're called upon to pass on this teaching of Jesus. That, of course, is what I've been attempting to do this morning. But we all need to do it out there in our everyday lives, beyond the four corners of this building. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Let's never forget the value of belonging to the kingdom of heaven. And let's make sure... We pass on what Jesus said to people out there. Amen.